And Jesus at the center of it all And Jesus at the center of it all From beginning to the end It will always be, it's always been you, Jesus Oh, Jesus Jesus at the center of it all Jesus at the center of it all From beginning to the end It will always be, it's always been you, Jesus Oh, Jesus, nothing else Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you, oh Jesus, you, Jesus, be the center of my life, oh Jesus, be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, nothing else matters, oh, nothing in this world will do. Come on, tell them. Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you. Jesus, Jesus. you, oh, nothing else matters, oh, nothing in this world.
chest today on your heart father we're so grateful to be in your presence tonight father just to celebrate you it's all about you it really is all about you everything that we do every gift that we give every gift that we receive every bit of the celebration the fellowship the community it's all about you honestly we wouldn't be here without you we wouldn't have what we have. We wouldn't be able to take the breath that we can take without you. Father, I pray for people in this room, people that are watching, God, that you would intervene in a powerful way, that you would do something that only you can do. Matter of fact, you tell us that there's nothing that's impossible with you, that all things are possible. Father, I know there's some marriages that without a impossible change, they might end. But God, you can do the impossible. There's some families that need healing, God. It looks impossible, but there's nothing too hard for you. Jesus, we honor you. 
We bless you. We're so grateful for your presence, for your glory, for your magnificence. We love you so much. Just reach out. Put your hand right on the person beside you if you could. I just want to pray for our neighbor. Maybe you know him, maybe you don't. Lord, we just pray blessing and favor on the person on our left, the person on our right, God. We thank you for doing something that only you can do. God, you know the, the secrets of their heart. Matter of fact, you're the one that put them there. So God, we ask that you would move supernaturally in every life. In every life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, before you sit down, I want you to look at three people, touch three people, say, he is the king of kings. He is the king of kings. And then turn to one other person, say, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. You got to say it just like that. Good to have you. Welcome, welcome. Didn't our team do a great job? Can we give it up for the, the team? All the audio visual, the worship team. I mean, we got street. I mean, we had a party in here already. And we got stuff hanging around from the rafters. It's going to get crazy later. Just want to let you know. If you haven't done your shopping yet, all the malls have no power. So you can't, you just got to go home. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know if they do or not. They probably don't. But anyway. Well, I want to wish all of our live streamers a Merry Christmas. One quick thing before I get into this. Tomorrow... We are coming to your house, so just leave the door unlocked if you're not up by 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, or 1. Are we doing 1? 7. We start at 7. We're going to be at your house at 7, and so we're going to come into your home and uh, have Christmas with you at your house, and so get the fire going, make some sausage casserole from Penny's book, and uh, we're going to come over and eat. Seriously, we're going to be online, freedomhouse.cc. Your pastors will tell you more about that. Also, we're gonna to come to your house at seven o'clock too. If we miss you in the morning, we'll be available for you at seven o'clock. We got a, a special message for you from our lodge. It's gonna be really, really neat on Christmas Day. So don't show up. We won't be here tomorrow. So don't show up at church at any of the campuses uh, and uh, have a great Christmas tomorrow. Let me read two scriptures to you. Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one. This is the angel Gabriel describing to Mary Jesus, the Messiah, who was coming to her. He said, he said this in verse 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And pay attention to this last statement. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then Zechariah 9, 9, it says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. I don't know if you know this, but the United States actually had an emperor. I don't know if you know that. I didn't know this. And did a little research um, in the early 1800s. Um, this is a true story, but... It's actually fictitious in the sense of this guy named himself the emperor of the United States. Of course, it happened in California uh, because, you know, crazy people live in California. No offense to you. Um, but anyway, I'm joking. I'm joking if you're from California. We love California. We're praying for California that you'll hang on in Jesus' name, that we revival in California. Anyway. Come on, you give the Lord a clap for that. 
This was in San Francisco, which is its own California in itself. So anyway, there was a guy by the name of Joshua Norton who deemed himself with the proclamation that he was the emperor according to the act of a California legislature. So he found a sword, he put a plume in his hat, put a cape on, and walked around like he was the king of the United States. It's crazy. He took taxes. People played into him. They thought it was funny. They played him, they invited him to all the parties, all the galas. He got free tickets everywhere. He even printed his own money. Matter of fact, I looked it up. If you find any Joshua Norton money, it's worth a lot of money. But he was delusional. Like he really thought that he was the king. When he died in 1880, 10,000 people showed up to his funeral. It was crazy. One of the largest funerals ever in the United States up to that point. Now we know that if, if the United States wanted to take him out, they could have taken him out at any time. The problem is, Imagine the poor souls, the poor soul who enters into heaven thinking that everything revolved around him. Think about that, that young lady who thinks the whole universe is about them, when in reality, Jesus really needs to be the center of our life. He is the king of kings. We've been in a series all month on the names of Jesus. There's over a thousand names of God in the Bible. We wanna talk about Jesus being the king of kings. Now, a lot of people don't like Jesus being a king. We don't like that idea of Jesus. We like God's love, we like God's mercy, we like God's goodness, and we can easily forget that he's powerful, he's majestic, he's mighty. And make no mistake, He's a loving king. He's a merciful king. He's a good king, but nevertheless, he's a king. Matter of fact, the Bible says he's the king of kings. What makes a person the king of kings? It means that he is the highest level of any kingship. Now, many people don't wanna see Jesus as king. They just like little savior Jesus, little brown-haired, blue-eyed, save me Jesus from hell. Because, I, mean, I mean, nobody wants to go to hell. Even if you don't believe in it, you don't wanna go there. It's hot. It's just not good. It's not, it's, everybody wants to go to heaven. So they think, all right, I, I just want, I want to do whatever I want to do, but right at the end of my life, I just need Savior Jesus. Just, I don't want King Jesus, because if I pick Jesus as my king, then I no longer can rule my own life. We like, we like Counselor Jesus. Come on, Jesus, come sit with me. Let me talk to you. Let me share with you my thoughts and my feelings. You know, make sure you agree with all of them. Don't tell me to change my life. Don't tell me to fix anything. Uh, but there's, there's a king that needs to rule our life. We like provider Jesus, like sugar daddy Jesus. Come on, right? Gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy. I mean, we just want God to, we can make all the mistakes in our finances, but God just bail me out, pay my mortgage, take care of everything for me, provider Jesus. They would prefer a God that answers to them, a God that they can ignore when it's convenient, a God that they can manipulate and control, a God that can be hidden when necessary and useful when helpful. The problem is, here's the problem. We have to give up our throne when Jesus becomes king. We have to give up our throne. We have to actually let him take our place. This is the story of Christmas, is the story of a king. Think about this for a second. Think about how influential this little baby was that came on the scene that was the king. I mean, Gabriel prophesied that he was gonna be a king. Isaiah prophesied that he was gonna be a king. 
Jeremiah prophesied that he was gonna be a king, and he shows up in the form of a baby. I mean, all the Jews would expect that Jesus would fly out of heaven in a chariot, fire, come down, take over, kill everybody that needs to be killed, take, take authority. That, that's, the, that's the idea that they had, but he came in as a baby. Like this, this little, little um, child that weak and, and, and lowly, but he had influence. Matter of fact, one of the kings that existed, a king by the name of Herod, was so intimidated by this little baby, and this guy was crazy, by the way. Herod the Great, one of the craziest kings to ever exist. He had 10 wives and 15 children, killed them all. He had one wife named Miriam. He told his soldiers, if I die, kill her so she can't marry anybody else. Then he got mad at her, tried her in court, killed her, and killed her parents. Killed his two favorite sons because he was afraid that they were, he was so insecure that they were gonna take over his kingdom. He was jealous, he was insecure. So he heard about this one child that was gonna be born in Bethlehem, so he sends his, his soldiers to Bethlehem to wipe out all the children. That's how much influence this baby had, a jealous king. Then there were three joyous kings that came from 800 miles away to celebrate just a word that they had gotten given to them 1,500 years prior. They worshiped him. They celebrated him. They, 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 they loved on this king. They wanted to see this king that was symbolized by this star. I mean, it's pretty crazy to think about. The wise men did two things that we must also do. They knelt unconditionally and they gave extravagantly. He is the king of kings. And I think in the Christmas story, we can see three important characteristics of this king. Number one, if you wanna take some notes on Christmas Eve, is he is unlimited in his reign. Unlimited in his reign. In other words, his kingdom is a forever kingdom. Forever and ever. Now, I know it's hard for us to wrap our minds around eternity, but his kingdom is before and after forever. It's, it has no end, no boundaries, no constraints. Every human kingdom will fail. Every earthly kingdom will fail, but God's kingdom will never fail. It will last forever. We just celebrated a queen, Queen Elizabeth, who was a monarch for 70 years, 214 days. I, I wouldn't do a show of hands, but I imagine we probably can't even remember who the king was or the queen was before her because she was the longest running monarch forever, but it's over. It's temporary. Now, why is this important? Why is a, an eternal kingdom so important? Because peace comes with stability. Peace comes with stability. I typically call people in my life that are stable. If I'm going through a problem, I'm gonna call somebody who's stable. When they answer the phone, they're calm. They're, they're, they're sure, they're steadfast. I, I remember uh, my uh, grandfather took me fishing. I was probably 12 years old. I love fishing. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I was young, we went fishing out in the Albemarle Sound and we had this little um, well-craft boat. It was a small boat, probably 20 feet long. And he forgot, we didn't know this, but he forgot to put the, the there's a, a piece that goes in the back of the boat that keeps the water from coming in and he forgot to put it in. Not a good thing to do. We go all the way out, we can barely see the land. 
We're fishing. I mean, we're catching these striper hand over fist. I mean, every cast, bam, catching them like crazy. And all of us are focusing this direction. And then I turn around and the whole boat's down in the water. We are sinking. The boat is sinking. I said George, because I didn't call him grandpa or anything. We just called him George. I don't know where, why we called him George. But we called him, hey, George, we're sinking. George was the calmest person ever. He was stable. He never got upset. I never saw him get mad. He always whistled all the time. It was weird, but it was awesome. And so he just starts whistling. We're sinking. He's whistling. He goes, oh, it'll be all right. He goes, I got some buckets. We'll be fine. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're going to drown in the middle of the sound. Like, we're going to die out here. We'll be fine. Just start throwing the water. This is exactly how I talk. Just throw, start throwing the water over the side. We'll be fine. Now, we couldn't even get the boat going fast enough to get it up on plane to drain the water out. So we're just dragging along, and there's a storm coming. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like a movie right now. I feel like I'm in a sitcom, and we're all gonna die right here. 12 years old, die, catching striper. It's like the perfect storm all over again. And so, so, so we start driving. We finally get the boat up to where we can get the water out. As we're bailing, me and my uncle, we're bailing, bailing, bailing. We get the boat up. And then just George goes, hey, you know what? I got this keychain, and it has this little round piece. And I bet you it might, and he reaches around there, and it fits right in the hole. George. <laughs> See, the reason why his reign is everlasting, his kingship is forever is so that we can have peace in that kingdom. You and I can for sure know that God's going to always take care of us. Number two, he's unrestricted in his authority. He's unrestricted in his authority. I love this, this little conversation that Jesus has with Pilate as he's getting ready to go to the cross. And Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus didn't say, yeah, I am. No, he says, Jesus, who, Jesus said, who, who told you this? Did you come up with the, this on your own or did others say this to you? Pilate said, I'm not a Jew. Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. My kingdom is not from this world. I love what uh, one of the great preachers of our age said, Tony Evans. He said, Jesus didn't say his kingdom was not of this world because his kingdom was not in this world. He meant that his kingdom authority doesn't come from this world. The kingdom authority I exercise in this world comes from the world I came from. In other, other words, Jesus operates in a whole different plane of authority. And guess what? He's given that authority to you and me. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, go. He's speaking to you and me as his disciples. He says, you go in the same authority. See, there are, there are only two kingdoms, either the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of God. You are either in one of those two kingdoms. When you operate in the kingdom of God, you set the pace for your family by the authority that Jesus gave you. You set the pace for your community by the authority that Jesus gave you because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He has all authority. And because of our relationship with him, we walk in that same authority. It's pretty powerful to think about. It's pretty amazing. Matter of fact, James, his brother, 
wrote that, that there's this unspeakable gift. All good and perfect gifts coming from above. And he says, God, the father of lights, who has no shadow of turning. I would read that all the time. I'm like, what is he talking about? And then one day I heard this preacher talking about it. He said, when James was sharing this, he was speaking of a sundial. Back then they didn't have watches and so they used a sundial. A sundial used the sun to tell time. Every time it would cast a shadow, it would tell you what time it is. But at noon, at the peak of the sun, there is no shadow on the clock. God is always, Jesus is always at his peak. Doesn't matter what you need, God is always at the pinnacle of who he is. His power never wanes. His authority never wanes. His strength never wanes. His, His might never wanes. It never goes away. It's always the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the king of kings. Amen? He's unlimited in his reign. He's unrestricted in his authority. And number three, he's infinite. He is infinite in his grace. This is my favorite part. My favorite part. In 1 Samuel chapter eight, the Israelites are complaining to God. Anybody ever complain to God? Raise your hand if you ever complain to God. Come on, be honest in church or God will kill you. It's one thing to lie out there. Don't lie in here. I was complaining today a little bit. Some things happen, you know, it's Christmas Eve. I'm like, come on, God, we worked really hard for this. Don't let Duke Pyre turn the engine, you know, the power off. That would not be very nice. I was complaining. Israelites were complaining. They were looking around all the other nations. All the other nations saw kings. They're like, I want a king. Give us a king. We want a king. Can you give us a king? We need a ruler. Now, God wanted to be their king. He was their king. But sometimes God will give you what you want instead of what you need. You whine at him enough, he's gonna give it to you. Even if you don't need it. They didn't need a king. He was their authority. He was their leader. But he gave them a king. And he told them the character of an earthly king. And in four verses, six different times, he says, he will take, 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 he will take. He'll take your sons and daughters. He'll take your money. He'll take your land. Because an earthly king takes in order to build his kingdom. But God's kingdom is built on him giving to us. And what is his greatest gift? Grace. Everybody say grace. Unto us a son is given. Grace is not something you can earn. A lot of people live their entire lives trying to perform for God. They try to get acceptance with God. Some of you came tonight because you think God will love you more if you come to church. No, God's love, God's love has never changed for you, whether you show up here or not. His grace is a gift. In the world of grace, acceptance is not based on performance. Grace is God's unmerited favor, his undeserved blessing, his unearned love. Weakness is a welcome mat for God's grace. This is hard for us. It's hard for me. When I first got this 30-something years ago, I had a hard time with this because I grew up trying to earn people's approval. I wanted people to like me. I didn't want people to not like me. And so I'd perform for them. 
my parents, my grandparents. I was the only child, you know. I was the last hope for the Maxwells. So that, you know, you go to college, I performed. Everything was about performance. Shifted over when I became a Christian into the way God thought about me. He, he was like, look, look, I love you, son, regardless of what you do. I love you for who you are. That's grace. God's grace is his favor in action. When you least expect, expect it, God's grace. When you least deserve it, God's grace. I love Romans 5, verse 20, it says, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Psalms 30, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. See, the, the, grace is why Christianity is different than any other religion. Every other religion is based on earning God's acceptance. Every other religion, you have to do something in order for that God to do something for you. But that's not Christianity. Matter of fact, Christianity is God giving you before you even thought about earning it. That's what Christianity, that's what grace is. It's the only religion where God seeks after you before you seek after him. A lot of people think, well, I, you know, I found God. No, 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 God found you a long time ago. You just caught up. He's been, he's been putting things in order for a long time, setting things in place. Why did he let this happen to me? Because he wanted you to get a little closer to him. Why did, why did you go through this? Because he wanted you to get a little closer to him. Why, you, why, why is this happening? Because he wanted to get, get you a little bit closer to him. To that moment where you come to yourself and you go, man, I need God. And he goes, I've been here the whole time waiting for you. That's his grace. That's his grace. Grace is everything for nothing to those who don't deserve anything. Grace is everything for nothing to those who don't deserve anything. It's expensive. Grace is expensive. It's free to the recipient, but costly for the donor. And that's the king of kings. That's Christmas. Is God took everything he had and he invested it in you and me. By faith. And he just wants the same thing. He, that's all his desires for you to come into a relationship with him. And when you receive that grace, it changes you. I mean, real grace. Like it really changes your heart. You become something different. It happened to me. It'll happen to you. You really do. I mean, like your whole life changes. The church for so long taught grace is just a license to do whatever you want. Just sin, make any mistake you want and God will accept you back. And that's the truth. But when you really meet God, when you really come into contact with a Savior who loves you and cares for you, your life will change. You'll want to please him. And guess what? Grace will empower you to do that. You'll wanna get free from an addiction because grace will empower you to stay free. That's what real grace is. That's what real grace is. And listen, listen. That's the gift of Christmas. That's the gift of Jesus Christ, is that grace. And then here's the last thing I want you to hear. Everyone in the, in, of us in this room has been given enough faith to receive that grace. Every person. You have enough faith to qualify you for the grace to save you. Pretty amazing to think about. 
All of us have been given a measure of faith because it takes faith to enact grace. It's a free gift. And when you believe, not perform, but believe God's grace comes. I want you to stand with me today on this Christmas in 2023. And I wanna ask you if you need to receive that grace. If you want that grace. Matter of fact, why don't you just close your eyes. I just want you to get alone. You and God today. You and God, just, just close your eyes. One of the things the King of Kings did for us and his purpose was to defeat sin. And he did that by defeating death. He became sin, died on a cross, and was raised from the dead so that you and I could receive eternal life. But even more importantly, we could receive a relationship with the Father, with, with a Father who accepts you just like you are. What's so great about God is he accepts you just, just the way you are, but he'll never leave you that way. So grace accepts you and grace changes you. And you receive it by faith. I believe. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that he was raised from the dead. I believe that he sits at the right hand of God. That's the gospel. That is the good news. And when you receive that, your whole life changes. Do you need that today? Maybe you're far from God. You know your life is not pleasing to God right now. You know it is. I'm not saying you need to change to perform to get it. No, he's here for you right now. And he desires a relationship with you. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. He sent, he sent him just for you. For maybe just this moment right now. And tonight he wants to find you because you found him. That's what's so amazing about God. If you're here today and you want that relationship, you wanna get your sins forgiven, you wanna know that you have an eternity in heaven, you want a relationship with the Father who loves you and cares for you. All it takes is a belief in the great gift, Jesus Christ. I wanna pray for you today. I wanna pray for you online. But if you're here in this room, you're watching online, I'm gonna count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand. Reason I, I just wanna know who I'm praying for. And it's a great way to extend your faith and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm responding to this call tonight. You say, that's me, I want, I need God's grace in my life. I need, I need God in my life. Ready, one, two, three, just raise your hand. I wanna pray for you, thank you. Thank you all over the room. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray this all together. Let's make a confession of our faith. Church family, would you join with them as they make this confession of faith? Say, say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today, I receive the grace of God for my life. I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap.